Hello and welcome to Well Branded, the podcast, a place where you and I get the opportunity to engage with interesting personalities from all over the world and explore the success behind their brands, their strategy, and their vision. My guest on Well Branded, the podcast today, needs very little introduction. Australian fashion illustrator Megan Hess, someone I've been so fortunate to have worked with that I can call a client for the last six years and also very, very proudly called a friend. Someone I admire immensely, not only for her talents as an illustrator, but for her overall elegance, her down-to-earth personality, her incredible skill and her talent that converts into so many different business verticals. Now in 2008, Megan illustrated the New York Times number one best-selling book, Sex in the City, written by Candace Bushnell. The book that we've all fallen in love with that has become a TV series sensation, a movie sensation with two movies out starring the wonderful, the beautiful Sarah Jessica Parker. Now since Megan's illustrated portraits for Vanity Fair, Time Magazine, iconic accessory ranges for Henry Bendel, illustrated windows for Bergdorf Goodman in New York, and the list goes on. Um, she was commissioned to do portraits for Gwyneth Paltrow, Sarah Jessica Parker, Michelle Obama. Um, she's got a very signature style um, and she's adapted that to not only work for other big brands and huge luxury brands, I'd say almost every luxury brand in the world, but also an entire range of self-branded products. So from silk scarves to cushions to homeware to tableware, um, even venturing out into fashion collections um, in collaboration with brands like Poca Poca for both adults and kids. Now, Megan's illustrations, her products, her books, I've witnessed myself have sold out um, within minutes of, of sort of launching and usually launching via Instagram. Today, I'm talking to Meg about all things Megan Hess branded from where she started to how she got to where she is to how she converted the talent that she has into such a successful international brand. Meg's worked with clients like Prada, Dior, Louis Vuitton, Tiffany & Co. The list goes on. And every day I'm in awe of the incredible things she's done and how she's used mediums like social media, um, how she's extended into publishing. Um, I could sit and talk to her for hours. Despite having known her for six years, I was fortunate enough to launch her brand um, and her publishing collection, her books in the Middle East. Um, we went down to South Africa in 2018, and that was incredible to take Clarice the Mouse into a completely different region. Now, I've enjoyed building her brand in the Middle East. I've seen how it's grown, and I've seen how people respond to her, and a big part of that is purely who she is and the incredible personality behind the brand. And when your name is on your brand, this is so important. So we're going to launch straight into this interview with Megan Hess. And you can hear firsthand how incredible and how successful and how she's built the empire that she has today. Megan Hess, welcome to the Well Branded Podcast. As always, fantastic to speak to you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you today. Now, we're kind of putting on a different hat today, um, getting the opportunity to chat to you in the branding, marketing, mm -hmm. um, strategy space, as opposed to what we, we normally get together over, which is super exciting for me because one of the most exciting brands that I've ever worked with has been yours Aww. and your brand. So, Thank I mean, you. I know your story and it's fantastic and it never gets old. So I think a starting point for someone that may not know the background to your brand story would be that. So how did you get into the world <clears throat> that you're in now, the world that you're dominating now? Oh, um, well, it's always been very exciting working with you too. And I think, you know, like many 
projects and things and and I would even things have just developed over time and in the very beginning for me I mean I was someone who loved to draw and that was the thing that I was good at but you know when you're younger you don't really know how to well I didn't know how to channel that into a career or and certainly when I was younger I had no idea about a brand or or anything like that I my initial goal was literally to do something creative and be paid for that as my job. So I started by studying graphic design. And I always say that when I studied graphic design, I knew that it wasn't really the right fit, but I hoped that by doing something on that path, I would get to something that was really the right fit. And it was definitely the right Mm. path to take because it introduced me to the the creative world and to um, the ability to work with a lot of other people and see what opportunities were out there. So Mm. I, you know, initially worked in a lot of different creative roles like art direction and design and areas like that. And then whilst working in London in uh, design field, I realised that there was actually a lot of work for illustrators And so that became my mission to kind of switch over from being a graphic designer or an art director to an an illustrator or an artist. And that wasn't a quick process. That was something that I really had to kind of build up on the side. But eventually Mm -hmm. I did. And, you know, I was working full time as an illustrator. But uh, the truth is a lot of it was not you know, dream projects, certainly not the type of clients that I work with today. And a lot of the projects were, um, you know, I describe as soul destroying. They were not great. I mean, there was illustrating, but it wasn't what I really wanted to do. And then eventually um, a great opportunity came along, which was to illustrate the cover of Sex and the City. And that um, Mm. is the project I always talk about because it was that project that really was my big break. And that cover that I illustrated was the turning point in my career, both in terms of people seeing my work, but I think also changing my mindset that actually this dream that I have is a possibility. Mm. Now, when you say that came about, because I think, like you said, that was the turning point. How did that opportunity pull together? Was it something that you went out and pitched for? Was it something that fell into your lap? I think, you know, people, people love hearing the how and the details of those defining moments. Well, I, at the time, had met uh, a lady by the name of Justine Clay. And I still describe Justine as my, um, my mentor to today. She was kind of the first person who saw my work at the very, very beginning and saw a potential in that. And so when we first met, she sent my work out to um, everyone and anyone within New York. She's actually British, but mm. she um, is an, was an agent at the time in New York. And she, you know, she met with me and saw my work and she thought that there was an opportunity for me to really um, – be successful within the world that I wanted to work in, which was luxury fashion. And so she showed my work to everyone. And one of the projects, one of the editors of the publisher who publishes uh, Candace Bushnell's books saw my work and Candace Bushnell had seen my illustrations around the same time in Italian Vogue. And 
unbeknownst to me, over in New York, they decided that I would be the best person to illustrate the cover of Sex and the City. And so that yeah. then when they had to work out how to find me and then they contacted me and that's, um, you know, that project really was the thing that, um, that really gave me my starting point. Yeah. Now, since that point, um, you know, I've, I've been with you for, we've been working together for six yes. or seven years, which I can't even believe. <laughs> it's gone so fast. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I think I know you as long as I know my husband. Um, but, you know, just seeing the process of evolution just in that space of time um, has been phenomenal in terms of how the brand has grown, evolved, matured, but also just expanded across multiple verticals, um, you know, and just in so many different ways, shapes and forms. So was that process of evolution intentional? Did you set out with this is my big strategy plan and this is how I want it to grow and evolve? Or has it all just sort of been organic? It's, look, it's probably a mixture of the two. In in one way, I think early on, I had lots of uh, aspirations to do lots of things. And, um, and Mm. I probably, you know, had different approaches at different times in my career. You know, there, there's been times where, you know, I'm a very, um, enthusiastic person and love, love to create. So I'm, uh, um, say yes and work out later how I'll do it or, you know, are there enough hours in the day? So there are times when I've taken on, um, lots and lots of things. And, um, there are times when, I've realized that I've taken on too many things and then times where I've pulled back. And, and so, you know, like all, I think, I think too, when you have your own business and it's not a traditional path, there's no um, guidebook for what is the best next step. And so for me, it's always been uh, trusting my gut and learning from mistakes that I've made, learning from what, opportunities or things that I think were going to be amazing and then get to the end of it and realize, you know what, maybe that wasn't the greatest thing to take on. Uh, I survived it. And then other things that I thought would be, you know, just something, you know, kind of good to do. I realized at the end of it, actually, that was brilliant. And that was something that was much more enjoyable than I thought, much more beneficial to my business. And I just uh, enjoyed it more. So I think you know, two things that I've really learned over time is that uh, having every now and again, stepping back from how I'm growing and looking at it and assessing what was really enjoyable and beneficial and what wasn't and doing a little bit less in some instances and doing the things that I take on better than taking on a million things, you know, is is not necessarily easy for someone like me to do because I tend to want to, you know, do it all. But I've realized that uh, growing in a way that that I can sustain and growing in a way that is enjoyable and makes sense is the better way for me to grow. So, you know, in answer to your question, at times I've grown too quickly mm. and at times I've probably pulled it back a little bit too much. But I think that's probably an evolution that I will keep having to assess as I go because as I said there's no real right Mm. or wrong way to do it it's just what um you know what's what's right for moving forward and and enjoying it yeah now I think um you know so many of the brands that we interact with or just that we speak to or going to speak to on the well-branded 
um, podcast. It's about a lifestyle package as opposed to a sort of single dimensional business concept. And I think if anything, your brand is one of the ones that stands out to me um, as, as a, a, a beaming light of lifestyle branding and lifestyle concept packaging um, you know, as a great example Thank of you. that, you've got so many extensions that have come off of what you've done and, and your skill. Um, could you talk us through, um, you know, I obviously, I know them, I love them, I follow them. Um, but things like your artists and residents, you know, that the travel that you get to do with your brand and the elements that I'd really like to draw on are, are things that you may or may not even realize you do. But from a, a branding eye perspective, you know, the the consistency, this is the, is the mm -hmm. word I use, I think, most regularly in my job. But, you know, from your sense of fashion to the way you present yourself to, you know, you can look, we always say in, when you start brand school, if you can look at something without a label on and just by the mm. shadow of it or, you know, an element of it, you can recognize who it belongs to, then you've achieved successful branding. And for me, I can look at something that you've done and without even seeing, I guess, 100% of the picture, you know that that's a Megan mm -hmm. Hess illustration. Yeah. So in terms of these kinds of projects, um, could you touch on maybe, let's just go five years back because I'm sure there's, there's hundreds. What would you say have been your most successful verticals, partnerships, collaborations that have taken your skill to a lifestyle, branding, mm. travel um, well, level? Well, I think for me, the thing that I worked out very early on before I had any kind of brand or anything like that was that I'm actually really uncomfortable doing anything that doesn't feel right. And, um, and I think mm. I always in the beginning saw this as a weakness, to be honest, I'm really uncomfortable in clothes that I don't like, which sounds really superficial, but that mm. is the truth. I am, um, uncomfortable promoting anything that doesn't feel genuine. I'm uncomfortable saying anything's good if I don't really feel it is. It's a genuine uncomfortableness that I have. And at times in the beginning of my work and career, um, I felt like I was probably being difficult or I was um, being a bit OCD about things. But in time, I came to realize that it's just, uh, it's, it's the most genuine thing for me to do what feels real. And so, and that I think mm. is the, when I look back, that's the one thing I think that has been consistent for me. And I think, and I hope uh, the people that have enjoyed my work or buy my prints or um, when I have promoted something, they know that it's not because I'm just being paid to say it or um, I'm trying to do something yeah. quickly. I think, that trust in building, I think building a brand means that there are people that thankfully like what you do and that they trust in what you do. And I think that's the thing that has always been my consistency. So I, you know, even in setting up a table, I almost can't sleep unless it's set up a certain way or, you know, color schemes of things. If it's, um, if it's not what I'm picturing. Uh, and I think, in a way, the things that have driven me crazy because I am a bit um, pedantic about those things, I think they're the things that other yeah. people have appreciated. And so I think, for example, back to answering your initial question, partnerships like the partnership with the Ertke Collection, which is a collection of uh, masterpiece hotels around the world, they are mm. 
you know, the collaboration with them was for me to be their artist in residence. So technically that normally means that you live at the hotel, but as I have, you know, husband and children Mm. and and live in Australia, that's not possible. It just, it means that what they wanted me to do was to travel and when I'm traveling in the cities that they have a hotel, to stay at the hotel and show images, both both photographs that I might take on my phone and sketches of the hotel through um, my eyes and so they know I think mm. and this is um, the, the I guess the, back to the benefit of me being a bit OCD and crazy is that they know that I won't randomly take a shot that I will until it's lit correctly that I've got everything in that I really want to to show it and it's the world yeah. that um, you know everyone sees the world visually differently and I think luckily brands or different other collaborators have seen that there's a certain way that I, I guess, my viewpoint on it, whether it's just visually, and that's something that they have trusted in me to, um, to create with. So that's, I think, where it has come back to. And so I think staying consistent to what it is that I, um, that I create, I guess. And, and I think the other mm. thing that I've learned is that in collaborating with people, uh, other brands and different things, even before I had put my stamp on it or, or visually take a photo, it's appreciating and recognising what it is that they have. And I think that's something that sometimes yeah. people forget. Um, so when I work with anyone, looking at, say, the, the, back to the Ertka collection, each of the hotels are incredible and unique in their own way. So it's not reinventing them. They're already amazing. It's, it's, it's yeah. recognising what's great about them and not trying to change it but just to mm. show it in a, different, in a different way and appreciate it. I don't know if I answered that mm. no, <laughs> properly. Uh, yeah, no, no, that's perfect. That's absolutely perfect. That's exactly it. I think, you know, it's understanding that there's not just – one factor at play um you know when it comes to brand consistency and you know loyalty and support and and putting that that i get stamp of approval on something it's there's multiple layers that are involved which are both on both parties there's a bit of intuition a bit of you know a bit of skill a bit of vision but also just a, a bit of absolute raw creativity and talent and all of that needs to be put together in the sort of pool of things for it to um eventuate into something like it does but um you know on top of the partnerships and the collaborations there's also the megan hess brand um, and the products and the extensions that come out of your self-branded items whether that's candle you know apart from the illustrations it's candles and and that sort of thing and how have you found being in that world of creating products as opposed to illustrations and that world of mm. e-com and because it's all quite well tightly managed um you know from your from your office from your base and I know when I speak to people there they have this idea of you having this massive corporation <laughs> you know Megan Hess incorporated behind you and I love being able to say it's actually just a group of amazing yeah. women that get yes. us all together but how have you found the balance between delivering on illustrations the partnerships the travel the collaborations and then the whole world of product development e-commerce all those elements coming well together I, too. I should always say that um or i do try and say as often as i can that you know i do get all the glory because it's my name and on my instagram it's you just mainly see me doing things but i do have a small team and without that small team i couldn't do um a half or a quarter of the things that i do do and that has grown 
um, you know, over time. So it wasn't that all of a sudden I could employ eight people and uh, do all these things. It's literally been a um, a step-by-step process of, um, you know, the first main person that I worked with, which, which who you know very well, is Martina Granulik. She was the person that... Mm-hmm. Um, that helped take because you know when you're an illustrator you actually need a lot of time to draw and so this is one this is one of the reasons yeah. why i think artists merging into a business context is tricky because dealing with the business side and drawing there's just not enough hours in the day so it's been a progression of um she was the first person who worked with me in that sense and took more on a business role in terms of managing projects and everything like that and then from there, mm. we um, began the the e-commerce, the shop, and the products. And and today we have you know a small team that work on all the products, and we have um, a graphic designer and an animator. And and for the product side of things, it's that that has really grown over time. I think we probably started. I probably started with always prints, art prints. But I think the second thing was scarves. Mm. And to be really honest with you, the products have literally grown out of things that I wanted. That's how it started. And, it, and, and I think yeah. working with a lot yeah. of people in fashion um, and seeing, and I mean fashion designers, I always knew that I couldn't cope being under a, um, a fashion cycle. So, for example, having to have a new collection out four times a year, six times a year. I knew that the pressure of that would stifle the creativity of it. So in a selfish kind of way, I've created products that are not on an extreme cycle and I've literally created them when I've had time and created them when I've been inspired to create something. And I've I've really had to do it that way because... My, the commission work that I do, so the work for say luxury brands and different collaborations is very, uh, very um, unpredictable. So, you know, it can be Mm. that, you know, I'll have four months where I literally can't um, design a product. I can't do anything other than get those collaborations done. And then all of a sudden a big project might wrap up a lot quicker and then all of a sudden I have a window and that's in that window. I'll think, okay, I've got a window here before that next big collaboration starts. I'm going to design a new collection of scarves or I've always wanted to create yeah. a tabletop collection based around this theme. So this is the week I'm going to do it. And so that's really how, and I mm. think because I'm not a big um, brand, I'm not a Wedgwood where I have to have a new table collection out seasonally no one's yeah, sort of not yeah, a lot of absolutely. pressure and I think for me that's enabled yeah. me to be able to um create the product in a in a in a in a way that I've been just really passionate about it and enjoyed the process and we, we you know we don't manufacture a huge mm. amount either so it means that when we do do a new collection of something it's um, quite limited edition and I think that's also helped as well I think sometimes being a smaller brand means that, um, you know, there are some benefits because you don't have to have huge um, quantities of things and you can do things in a a more special way. So that's really how the product side of things has has evolved. Yeah. I think that production process as well contributes to the um, attractiveness um, to a consumer because I know if, 
you've got a candle range out um, that I better get one because I don't know when you might do that again. And I don't know how many you have. So from a, whether, you know, whether that's a strategy that's just come about organically or that was intended, um, you know, as a consumer, I know that if I'm not going to get to Melbourne, (laughs) I better be placing that online order (laughs) to get, to get delivered because otherwise I might miss it on my next cycle, you know? So it's helped. I think that that's quite attractive. No, it's definitely helped. I think there's always Um, advantages to being smaller. And obviously there's advantages to being bigger too, yeah. but I think I've always tried to look at it like look at what I have and how do I make the most of that. Yeah. Um, and I know I, I, I get my wish list and, and sort of count down yes. to the Melbourne trip to pick it up, which the current situation is I very mean, inconsiderate of because I'm really I missing know. out on my Australian brands that I need yes. to, to stock up on. but. Um, Meg, moving from the products and the, and the store to something really, really special that's come about um, in the last sort of 12 to 18 months, and that's <laughs> yes. Little Karis the Mouse. Now, she's kind of exploded on the scene. I mean, we, she's yes. gone global. Um, she's amazing. Um, her friends are amazing. Her books are amazing. Um, you know, she was, what I found incredible is within months of her sort of arriving and announcing her arrival, she was as appealing in your home yes. country of Australia as she was in the Middle East and as she was in Africa. I mean, it was the first time we, yes, we, we that took was that amazing. to Africa and that was incredible. And the response there was unbelievable. But the point being that within the, a couple of months of her sort of exploding <laughs> on the scene, um, she's, she's become the it Thank mouth, you. the it character and with her development um you know what was your thought process behind her because she's she's obviously in line with everything you've done from a a a quality and you know attention to detail and absolutely beautiful in her creation but somewhat quite different to everything in the sense that she's her own entity she's appealing Mm -hmm. to a younger audience she's a a children's based character what was your thought process behind venturing well, into that Well, it's interesting market? because so my children are now, my, my daughter is 14 and my son is 10. And I had really wanted to do a children's book from the minute that I basically had my daughter. So 14 years ago. And it's always, you know, I've been creating fashion books. I think I have seven, seven fashion books. And so that was always an mm. option with my publisher to do a children's book. But um it was one of those things that I, I, I've just been really busy. It was one of those things that, and I know you would have, uh, as, yeah. as many people do, you have a list of things that when you can get to it, you really want to do it. And that was one of those things that I really wanted to do it, but I just couldn't quite get to it initially. And I had a lot of different ideas for different characters for what this book would be. And it wasn't um, until I really thought of her this little Parisian mouse that has all these adventures in Paris and that when I really thought of her and started to think of the very first book, I thought for the first time, when, when I first got the idea, I thought beyond just it being a book. I thought to myself, this is more than a book though, actually. I think this is mm. a character that I would have so much fun doing a million different things. And the thing that I've learned at this point as well is that things that I'm really genuinely excited about are always the things that do the best for me. And, and, and that sounds obvious, but Mm. I've taken on, you know, certain things over time 
for other reasons, because it's an amazing brand and so therefore that's a good reason to do it or because there's a really great budget, that's a good reason to do it. And and I've worked out that those yeah. two factors aren't really always the best thing to drive whether you should take something on. And I've worked out that projects, regardless of budget or regardless of what they are, if there's something I'm just, you know, I get butterflies in my stomach thinking about, then I've learned that's what will work out for me. So when I thought about this little mouse, I just knew that I had so much excitement to really build upon it um, and make a world of it. And I also felt like it was something that could be potentially different within the children's space. And I just thought there was a lot mm. of opportunity for it. And I didn't know initially whether, you know, you never know. And I, I didn't know whether she would connect. Um, she has, thankfully, but I didn't know. I did, because there's an element to her that has, yeah. um, you know, she's appreciated. There's a, there's a little bit of an adult twist as well to her. And I didn't know whether that would, um, you know, bypass children and then there'd just be a small portion of adults that are into my fashion illustration that would like her and therefore she would bomb. So, like, I did worry about that. But then, yeah. as you say, when we launched her, yeah. um, she just connected with people, children and adults. And, you know, when we've gone for, uh, you know, book signings in Paris, there's been as many adults and children from, you know, three-year-olds to 80-year-olds come to the book signings for her, which, and even, as you say, yeah, in, in South yeah. Africa and in Dubai when we had those two amazing launches um, from children to the women, the different women that we had at those events, it's, I think there's something that's, within the character that's bigger than the character that connects with people. So, mm. no, it's been great. Yeah. I think, I mean, I understand that there was probably a risk, um, you know, with, with you creating the concept, but on the consumer perspective, it she's, she's the mouse that, that dares to speak up that as a little girl, you do, you want to, you know, dress up, you want to have an exciting life. You want to have that, that tiny element of adult, even from you yeah. know, walking in your mom's shoes, which I find she balances off perfectly, not to sort of, you know, create that bigger than yeah. your own boots kind of concept, but just like a little taste of adult fascination, fashion, yeah. lifestyle, travel, excitement, but on uh, packaged enough on a level that makes it really amazing to both young and old. <laughs> I mean, I collect her books and I, I've got, I, oh, I bought did a you? plush toy the other day. Oh, you should have told Andy, me I would have sent you one. Well, yeah, and you looked at me and he's like, why have you got, why have you Aww. got this? And I, thought, I don't know. She's just yeah. Paris. Like, she's cute. Um, but she just has this kind of um, universal appeal and I've had to hide her Aww. because my son's trying no, to get her. her. <laughs> so I've, I've hidden her. He would love her, no. but um, no, it's not <laughs> happening because that's mine. But you know, she's she's got this universal this universal appeal across age and yeah. across gender as well, which is which is really which is really unique. Well, I think and really too, special, thank you. I and think. I and I I felt like too. And you're you're in the you're at the perfect stage because you're in the thick of reading books to um, to know all every day. I'm sure. And for me, it was just wanting to. I've read so many books to my kids when they were younger. Now they're old enough to read their own books, but there was it felt like. Um, I wanted a book. There was a couple of books that we had that were did have a couple of little jokes for adults in them as well, and I really loved those books. And also I felt mm. like there were a lot of books that had female characters in them that either had to be a, a, a complete tomboy or 
a complete princess. And I felt like with Clarice, there was an opportunity to enjoy mm. fashion, but to not necessarily be a princess, be someone that is, you know, brave and strong and all the attributes caring without being um, mm. traditionally princess-like. So that was the other thing, just trying to connect on a yeah. slightly different um a character with a slightly different attribute to what is out there, I guess. Yeah. And in terms of um, her growth as a, as a brand or an yes. entity, a brand entity of her own, um, she's already become yeah. bigger than a book. She's um, puzzles. She's party themed. She's, she's so much bigger than a book already. And what, what's your sort of, long-term well, vision with her as so a we're up to so this christmas will be her fourth uh picture book and of all the things that i've worked on the thing that i get approached about in terms of collaborating the most is with her so it's really funny i think she's bypassed me completely <laughs> i think i'm her um i'm carrying her yeah. bags at this <laughs> stage she um she's the She's connected in a way that I didn't really even think was possible, to be honest. When we first had her, I certainly had lots of plans for what she could do and they were very much in, say, the children's space. Mm. But, you know, within the time that we have launched her, we've been, you know, she has her own high tea in Sydney um, and she will soon have a high tea in London, mm. which will be very exciting. Um and things like that that yeah. uh, that we were approached about that were just amazing opportunities for people to be able to experience the world of Claris, you know, at a high tea. Um, so things way far beyond the book um, mm. and just a lot of other really interesting um, collaborations and things have come to us. And so it's interesting, I think, because she isn't completely just for children she's crossed over into a yeah. space that um goes between the two you know she had her first i talk about her like she's real but she had her first <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah which is amazing because you know you you say that but you know one of the key things we talk about with our branding webinars and and sort of branding training that we're doing now is give your yeah. brand a personality because if you can speak speak to her him if you can understand their personality type what they like what they don't like what they wear where they go it makes it very real and yes. it, it helps that emotional connection um between your brand and your audience so that is it, it is it's amazing because I think it's that's, so i think that's, natural that's exactly it's, so organic. it's just naturally come to a point where um it feels to me it, it feels like she's she's real in a sense and um, even a collaboration we did last year, at the end of last year, with um, a really great retailer in Thailand called Jaspel, and they did a collaboration with my sort of branding, mm. and they did one with Claris as well. And it was the first sort of big collaboration outside of um, anything I'd done before where we arrived in uh, Thailand and we had a big launch in their biggest shopping centre, which was incredible. And there was two huge uh, installations set up, one for Claris and one for my branding. And I couldn't, you know, it's taken me 20 years to build my brand to this stage. And when I could see Claris's beside it as big and yeah. looks completely strong and different in her own way with the pink and the gold, it was, I couldn't, 
believe it really because I thought that it feels like yesterday that we that I worked on the first book um, a couple of years ago now but yeah. it's evolved in a way that um, I think other people's enjoyment for her have spurred it along as well it hasn't felt like something that I've had to really yeah, yeah. Um, push too hardly if that if that makes sense and I think um, yeah, yeah. even with the thing that we did in Thailand, it was very much driven by their market and what works there. And it was really fascinating to see how yeah. compared to say what, um, Le Bristol in Paris would do when they did a launch for Claris compared to what someone, a brand would do in Thailand, it takes on a different life, mm. but the brand, I looked at it and I feel like mm. it's strong enough that it goes between cultures. And even though the products are completely different, it still looks mm. and feels how she should look. I think the the I guess impressive maybe is is one word, but the really um, admirable part of that is that it's a brand that remains one hundred percent authentic to who she is. She doesn't adapt or change who she is in any way, but it's still relatable in in every single yes. market that you'd place her in. And that's something I think if you're going well, what is the you know what is a successful international concept? That for me, that would be. A sterling Thank example you. of yeah. what that is. Yeah, do you know what is? I think the other thing might be with her that I'm only just thinking about right now that you say that is that she's not really based yeah. on anything trend-driven either. And I've always, um, you know, a lot of illustrations that I do, that mm. people often say you don't really do a lot of hair. The, the illustrated characters that I draw, the hair is often back, for example. And the reason for that is that I, I think yeah. if you illustrate or create things that are very much just of the moment, then they pass. And so I think with, with her, yeah. she's not, um, that's why she's not necessarily dressed in, um, you know, jeans and a hoodie or, I mean, it's not the right brand fit, but it's, it's never in a look that's going to necessarily pass. Yeah. So I think that is hopefully yeah. another reason that she will, um, you know, uh, stay or, you know, the dream would be that she's a classic character in some way, or, you know, people cherish her. That's, that's kind of the, mm. I guess, the brand dream. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I guess that that's sort of happening already, you know, organically. It's completely, um, yeah, it's completely reaching, reaching that objective, I think. But um, Meg, as a, yes. as a sort of closing um, question, I guess, Mike, I'd like to know, what is the, the long-term growth? So where are you going with Claris, with um, Ming and Hess as a brand? Is it, you know, have you got bigger projects or bigger plans that you you happy to share or you know what can people look forward to from Megan Hess and Clarice Brand um, in the next sort of six months 12 I think months at this three point, years I you know if you'd asked me this five years ago I, I think I would have answered it very differently but I think it, at this point it's um, being very um, specific about what I work on and what uh, direction Clarice goes in so that uh, rather than working on a million things, it's really narrowing it down to a smaller amount mm. of things, things that are, uh, I guess, beneficial in the long run and things that go towards building the brand and things that are really enjoyable. I put a lot of emphasis at this point on uh, working on projects that bring a lot of happiness, which sounds a little bit flippant, but I say that in the sense that you know, I, I think ultimately there's a million things that we can all be working on, but then, you know, I've experienced in the past that can just bring feeling exhausted and um, 
and you know I've realized that enjoying the process of working on things is even more enjoyable than you know them coming to fruition so from my branding point of view and my business it's it's probably less um less projects but projects that are really mm. meaningful and highly creative and there'll probably be more bigger projects and bigger things but less of them and then with Claris it's really yeah. it's a different um it's a different journey but I think with her it's it's really having her um, evolve and, and develop and I would love for her to be as to connect with as many different cultures and kids and people as she can and I think you know we've started that she's had an exhibition in Korea she's um, she's been to South Africa she's had her mm. launch in Dubai she's done lots of things I think yeah you know making her a character that is letting her evolve in a, an international way is really the goal for her and and in just working on projects and collaborations yeah. that are authentic to who she is as a character and the core values of um, what I would love children and adults to feel when they see her or read her stories, just developing that and just having time to do it all. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't worked that. I've never worked that bit out. But <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Podcast, we can work that out. <laughs> you, well, you say that, but I, you, the things that you fit into a day, a week, a month are just incredible. But, um, you know, Clara's definitely, yes. she definitely she's travels small. very well. So, um, you know, she, she's, so a, she's luggage, a great traveler. She's lighter, that's she, for sure. She's small, but. Yeah. <laughs> so Meg, Clara's travels well. The Megan Hess brand is growing phenomenally and we're so proud um, to have worked with it and be associated with it. Um, so thank you so much for joining us on the Well-Branded Podcast. I mean, we couldn't, we couldn't possibly kick it off me. without having you as one of our, you know, one of our, our pride and joy type brands that we've gotten to work with. Um, so thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me on. And I have loved working with you too. And, you know, I want to thank you for all the incredible launches and events that we've done together over the years. You've certainly really helped in building my brand internationally. So thank you. Meg, it's an absolute, absolute pleasure. And um, I can't wait to see what comes out of the Megan Hess studio next. Thank you for joining me on an episode of Well Branded, the podcast. Subscribe for the latest episode right to your inbox and pop by the website at www.bewellbranded.com. You'll find me on Instagram and Facebook at Be Well Branded. And I would love to hear from you. I hope to catch you on the next episode soon.